Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Getting ready to represent Christ to your world today. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Today marks the first day of meteorological fall, not to be confused with astronomical fall, which apparently won't arrive until September the 22nd. Now, Paul Poirot, that is a just direct nod uh, to <laughs> you. Well, no, 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 no. I get this from meteorologists. They, they, they divide the months, or rather the seasons. But they started on the beginning of the month. So September through November is fall. December through February is winter. March through May. You get the picture. So Yeah. So um, this provoked a conversation at my house. Oh, really? Um, are the astronomical fall people, asteroid people, and the meteorological fall people, meteor people? And is this really a contest about what, you know, what's falling? And I said, no, that's not the fall we're talking about. We're talking about... Uh, Autumnal fall. Autumnal, yes. Autumnal? Yes. Autumnal. That didn't sound right, did it? No. All right, well, there you go. There you go. Asteroids, meteors. Today is the first day of meteorological fall. It doesn't mean that Paul and I are predicting anything like a meteor falling. That's not what that means. No, 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 no. No, okay. But September the 22nd, apparently the other people think fall officially begins. So there you go. Sometime between now and then. All right, here's my, uh, I have two PSAs this morning before we bring uh, Nick Pitts on to talk about a range of topics. Uh, my first PSA is this. I want I want everybody to be on high alert, high alert uh, between now and November the 3rd for spiritual references, spiritual allusions, direct references uh, to spiritual words, ideas, um, because both sides of the political aisle are seeking to court your vote right now by using um, very specific terminology and triggering certain reactions. So... Just today, here are some spiritual references or allusions that I found in headlines. There is reference today to the word angel. I won't tell you which one of the candidates is referred to as such. Uh, a, a direct reference to the demonic. Uh, references to the soul of America, saving the soul of America. References to salvation and a savior. Whether or not we need one. If so, who is it? A choice between good and evil or light and dark. These words are all used on purpose and for a purpose because they trigger us. So if you hear someone refer to um, these kinds of terms, they're making spiritual uh, references. They are seeking to trigger you. You should know that. that, It's a dog whistle. That's actually the way that language is described. Um, And if you respond in the way that they believe you're going to respond to the use of that terminology, then... Well, yeah, that you're not using your most thoughtful mind. So we're trying to apply the mind of Christ to the matters of the day. And so let me just warn you in advance, in case you haven't been warned yet, uh, spiritual references, spiritual allusions, direct references to spiritual things, um, truncated uses of Scripture passages, on and on and on. You're going to hear a lot of it in the next uh, eight, nine weeks. 
I don't know. I should have counted the weeks. It's it's a Tuesday. So it's a Tuesday that's either eight or nine weeks from today. It's probably nine weeks from today. First week of November. Not very long away, by the way. Okay. Uh, and then Paul alerted me to this just prior to coming on air. So I'm going to use this as my second PSA of the day and do so fairly quickly. Um, officials are warning of scams related to contact tracing. This has to do with the coronavirus, the spread of the coronavirus. Um, officials across the country, including right where you live, are now warning uh, people of scams related to COVID-19 contact tracing. So um, it's a phone scam. So the scammer claims to be a contact tracer. They tell the caller um, that they've been exposed to COVID-19, probably based on someone else's contact tracing. The scammer uh, tells the call receiver that they have to pay for a testing kit that'll be sent to them. Um, the scam is targeting senior citizens. The The contact tracing part of the scam is that they then get you to give them a lot of information, not just the uh, information related to your physical address where they're going to send you this um, free testing kit, but they're getting your social security number um, and in some cases credit card, bank account information. Obviously, they're asking for um, uh, people that you have been uh, with, and so obviously they're trying to uh, develop your social network and then use the conversation that they have with you in their next call to someone else saying, hey, I just talked with, you know, Grandma Moses, and she says that she spent last Sunday with you. Well, she was exposed at the grocery store two weeks ago, and so now you've been exposed. And so you can see how the contact tracing scam very quickly involves a lot of people in one social system. So avoid it. If anybody calls you on the phone and says that they are with the federal government, uh, they're not. That's not how that works. It's not at all how that works. So um, just just be aware of that in advance. The Social Security Administration doesn't call you on the phone. The FBI doesn't call you on the phone. They don't call you on the phone. That's not how that works. Okay, uh, here we go. Uh, next up, I got Nick Pitts. He's a fellow at the Institute for Global Engagement. We're going to talk across a range of headlines today and bring the mind of Christ to bear. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Follow him on Twitter at JNickPitts. He's a fellow at the Institute for Global Engagement. He's joining me today um, because, frankly, we like to talk to each other. Hey, welcome back, friend. Hey, so good to be with you, Carmen. Happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday. Happy happy first day of meteorological fall. I, I, you know, it's really hard uh, to try to get grasp, you know, just because this pandemic has just changed so much of, I think there was a poll that said that 57% of Americans don't know which day it is since we've been mm-hmm. doing these quarantine measures. And so it's hard to grasp the, that there's a, there's a fall going on and that we're in September, but nevertheless, here we are and what a time to be alive. So, uh, we did the, um, 30 days has September, April, June, and November. All the rest have 31, except for February, which is really just on the calendar to make us crazy. Little little <laughs> talk last night, right? So that, because uh-huh. I have a I have a child in my house who has a really hard time following the calendar. So there you go. Today mm-hmm. is the first day of September. We got to change our calendar over. We turned the little page in our kitchen. Maybe other people did that as well. Um, cool stuff happening in September for sure. All right, let's talk about um, Chadwick Bozeman. For people who are completely unfamiliar with him. I'm just going to I'm just going to basically turn this conversation over to you. Um yeah. I loved him 
in um in in several of the films that he did um but certainly in Black Panther. Tell us about Chadwick Boseman and why we're talking about him today. Yeah, uh, just absolutely tragic. So Chadwick Boseman is a, a movie star. Uh, he, or was a movie star rather, sir, uh, played roles such as Black Panther, Jackie Robinson, just was a, a phenomenal actor. And he was diagnosed, we found out uh, over the weekend, uh, he was diagnosed with stage three cancer. And lo and behold, he was diagnosed with cancer um, back in 2016, and he has been silently battling cancer for upwards of four years. And he lost that fight with cancer over the weekend and just just really did just the outpouring of support that came uh, because of his loss. It's just unreal to hear the testimonies that came because of the man who he was and who died at such a young age of 43 years old. Um, I, I was reminded of the lyric from uh, Christian rap artist Lecrae. He says that he's just a trail of stardust leading to the superstar. And uh, I think that accurately portrays who Chadwick was. He was a movie star, but also that trail of stardust. He entertained millions, but did so much off camera just as much as he did on camera as well. There was reports coming out out of uh, uh, Black Panther that he helped lead times where individuals, cast members could share testimonies and how one described it was like going to church uh, because of his leadership. And then he gave a, uh, he gave a, he, um, he gave a commencement address to Howard University a couple of years back, referenced Jeremiah 29 11 and talked about how the power of God and the plans God has for students, he was just a, he was a uh, as Abraham Kuyper would say he was a he was a gem or diadem that served as a signpost pointing to the new Jerusalem. And so the world is at a loss um, today because we no longer have him. This was a um, this was a man who had an incredible uh, cultural platform, and it seems as if every time he had the opportunity, he wove scripture into his public commentary. Um, I'm reading here um, in in when he was talking about Jackie Robinson's remarkable courage, he wove in a portion of Galatians chapter five. Um, he said, you know, it feels like it's because he had God on him that he was able to make it through all of this. And he talked about, uh, you know, the fruit of the spirit in the speech just last year. He thanked ac- actor Denzel Washington for pro- providing a scholarship that enabled him to study um, at Oxford University for a summer um, and then he basically ended that speech with, you know, uh, an Ephesians 3.20 benediction. May God bless you exceedingly and abundantly more in what's in store than he has ever before. Now, um, that's just last year. This is a young man um, who knew he was dying at that point. I mean, he, at least mm-hmm. he knew he was in a, a battle for the physical life. Um, he talked frequently um, weaving scripture into his conversations. And I just don't want people to miss that today. Oh my goodness. Yeah. He was, he, you could tell he, the, the man had just been in the word because as you said, it just overflowed out of him. And mm-hmm. uh, what I so appreciate about uh, his life among many other things is that he, it seemed as though he took 
every moment and saw opportunities to be able to to be that bright light, not being the the light that's hidden underneath a bushel. I mean, he he didn't he visited cancer patients without telling anyone he was battling cancer. He he when he was given the an MTV award, uh, he gave his award to James Shaw Jr., who was the man who was uh, stopped shooting at a Waffle House in Tennessee. Uh, he surprised fans uh, after they watched uh, Black Panther and started talking to them and thanking them on the Jimmy uh, Kimmel's uh, uh, late night show. Uh, he visited St. Jude's Hospital bringing toys and hope to kids battling cancer. I mean, this is a person that that knew uh, he had a platform. He knew that he had skill sets. He knew that he had influence and he decided to utilize it in such a way that it might bring hope and it might inspire others and help others remember that they're just as much worthy and creations of God as well. His life was uh, was a witness and a testimony to the redemptive power of Christ, and he lives again today. And let, let us mm-hmm. not forget that, that Chadwick Boseman, uh, dead at the age of 43 here on the earth, but uh, living eternally because he is a man uh, in Christ. Nick Pitts and I have to take a very brief break. We'll be right back. Continuing my conversation with Nick Pitts. He's a fellow at the Institute for Global Engagement. Uh, He used to work for the Denison Forum. And um, frankly, that's one of my favorite places uh, to go and read how uh, a brother in Christ uh, named Jim Denison is bringing the mind of Christ to bear on headline news. So if you're not familiar with the Denison Forum, I'm going to invite you to check it out today, uh, denisonforum.org. All right. um, That's a little, little nod back to the past. Nick, I'm surprised you've not you've not asked me why on Twitter um, my my goes by name is now uh, Nimrak because that's I a conversation you would have totally loved. I had a conversation what, what, with a hip hop artist here, which okay. I know surprises you because you're thinking, how did Carmen even <laughs> like she's not capable of that? He's also a pastor, and so he's very very gracious. Um, and his stage name or his goes by name um, is L E G. Okay, it's Nigel backwards. His his birth name is Nigel. His goes by okay. name is uh what would that be? Um it's not like Legion, right? So but it's L E Okay, you you get the, you get the point here. And so I asked him why he did that and he says because God radically turned my life around and I want that to just be a constant witness oh, of what I'm what doing. And I'm cool. like, "Well, then I'm turning my name around." And he's like, "Well, then you're Nimrak." And then and then we like googled it and Nimrak is like, you know, kind of this myth- mythical evil character. So there you go. Um so it's my goes by name on Twitter, in case you were wondering. Uh, You're the only guest I could tell that to who would think it was funny. So I've I've saved that up. I've never thought about that. Yeah, it's it's a little challenging. You'd be like Ken, which is not a bad name. No, 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 no. Ken. Ken's very respectful. You're Ken to me and Jesus. I I like that. I like that I like that. I like that. All right. uh, Emmy-nominated show. I'm just going to stop right there. Because the fact that this is an Emmy-nominated show tells us a lot. The show is We're Here. What are we talking about? Yeah, so We're Here is you've got some, uh, you have, it's a show featuring LGBTQ people, um, and they're visiting uh, areas of the country where it, uh, they're trying to spread uh, LGBTQ acceptance. And so the three 
drag queens or visiting small towns and working with locals to create a drag show in a local venue and invite the entire city. And so what they're trying to do is the, uh, the power of conversation and common ground, trying to kind of eradicate that othering sense where it's really easy just to kind of diminish and degrade the other person if you don't actually know who that person is. And um, it is, it's earning influence. It's seeing, uh, it's earning accolades and notice uh, with being Emmy nominated. Uh, but what's fascinating about it is it's been taking place for a pretty long time. Uh, according to a recent Gallup uh, survey, 4.5% of U.S. adults identify as LGBTQ. Uh, but there's, it's over uh, 70% of individuals that know someone. So this is really just playing it before the screen. Um, and so uh, it's interesting if you look at the statistics. And so only 4.5% of the U.S. identify as LGBTQ, but they represent actually 10.2% of the characters on TV. So if you didn't know any better, you'd think that um, LGBTQ people are twice as much, more than twice as much represented on TV as they are in real life. And this is due to uh, what right, right. So, well, okay, let's just pause there. You'd think that there is an LGBTQ person in every family, in every social system, in every mm -hmm. class, in yeah. every community, in every church. Like, it's ubiquitous. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. On, on television and in films. And people need to understand that, that just because it's so highly represented um, on the screen is not an accurate reflection of the percentage of people in the population. But it is, influen it is influencing the way people think about um, LGBTQ identified people. Completely correct. And it goes back to what uh, our parents would say when we were growing up. You can't believe everything that you see on TV. And a part of this is it's just a, to a certain degree, it's an overreaction. So there's a Turkish proverb that says that if I uh, if I burn my tongue on uh, hot milk, then I will blow on my yogurt. Um, the pendulum is swinging to the other side. And so for years, what LGBTQ people would say is they've been overlooked, they've been diminished, they've been degraded. And so they're swinging to the opposite side. And swinging to the opposite side means an overrepresentation on TV. And this is all rooted in this idea known as symbolic annihilation, which is it's a 1976 paper uh, called Live With Television. And they say representation in the fictional world signifies social existence. Absence means symbolic annihilation. And so essentially what the LGBTQ community is hoping to do through this show and others is hoping to be able to, one, uh, to prove, uh, to kind of inculcate their beliefs uh, to the watching public, but also, two, to be able to determine some bit of worth. But for those of us that are Christians know that my worth isn't determined by whether I see myself on TV, but my worth is determined by the God who thinks about me more than the sand on the sea. All right. And then one really fun redemptive story before I let you go. The world's oldest married couple. All right. I, I'm oh, just going to let you I'm going to let you tell everybody about these people. We combine their age. They're 215. Oh, boy. It is. Under, so uh, you just compare and contrast this <laughs> with millennials who we have. Uh, millennial, we millennials are getting married uh, on average at 29 and 27. And now you have this couple. They've been married for 79 years ago. They got secretly married in 1941. It's just it is 
unbelievable to see that compare and contrast and to see how their marriage has uh, grown over the years and how their love, uh, what they would say, the secret formula of their love is maturity and mutual respect. It's, it's admirable to say the very least. Okay. And so um, since you're a stats guy, I thought I would mm-hmm. bring one this morning related to this. Okay. The national length of marriage, the average length of a marriage in the United States, mm-hmm. 8.2 years. Wow. Okay, so there wow. you go. There's because I know you gives you something to chew on and think about, and gives you something um, to to muse over in your conversations with others. Oh yeah, wow, yeah. that's fascinating. Yeah. All right. So now here's uh, now I would like to make one uh, biblical comment about this. It's not okay. actually the world record for the length of a marriage because the combined age of two fifteen today does not rival early marriages in the Bible. That's all I'm going to say about that. Uh, but those people who lived a really long time, hundreds of years, were married for hundreds of years as well. There you go. All right. That's what I got. Nick Pitts, I got to let you go, man. George Barn is up next. And, you know, people want to hear from him, too. So great to talk to you, Carmen. We love you, man. We love you, man. You're Ken. You're Ken. I'm Nimrod. Ken, You're Ken. Ken. There you go. I love it. All right. We'll talk again soon. Bye-bye. See you. All right. What is your worldview? say or suggest about the way you are going to vote this fall? How does it impact you? The American Worldview Inventory 2020 uh, deals with worldview and political beliefs. And I've got the guy right now, George Barna. He heads up the Cultural Research Center at Arizona Christian University, and he is going to share with us on some uh, American and Christian views on sin and salvation, but also worldview and political beliefs. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. All right, it is September, which means that fall share is almost upon us. In fact, two weeks from today, what we're going to be doing during uh, this program time is talking with you about the ways in which God is using the programming of Faith Radio um, and MyFaithRadio.com and the Faith Radio app to actually change the lives um, of sinners into saints and, and encourage people who are in Christ to walk their faith out into the world in ways that honor Jesus. And I am thrilled about the listener testimonies that you have offered. This um, couple of weeks right now is your opportunity to share those testimonies with us as we prepare for what we call Fall Share. And so um, I'm just really going to encourage you to do that. If you get a listener testimony, if there's a a specific way that um, a program on this station or a podcast that you've been able to share with someone else um, has actually, you know, changed a conversation, influenced the way that you've thought about something, um, influenced the way you walk your faith out into the world, we'd love to hear that story because it will be an encouragement to others. And it will certainly be an encouragement to those who support this um, ministry effort financially. And so share your story with us. You can do so on the Faith Line at 877-933-2484. You can do so by just emailing me your story, Carmen at MyFaithRadio.com. Um, and again, hey, this is not intended to be self-serving. Um, maybe it was something that Susie Larson said. Maybe it's something that Bill Arnold said or somebody that they platformed on their programs. Or maybe it is one of our um, excellent preachers and teachers who talk to you uh, throughout the day and night. Let us know what you've heard on this network, what you've accessed uh, at MyFaithRadio.com that has changed your life and encouraged your faith. 
and helped you live more abundantly um, as a Christian in the culture today. Uh, share your story with us at MyFaithRadio.com. You can email me, Carmen at MyFaithRadio.com, or you can leave it on the listener line at 877-933-2484. Thanks a lot. Like New Year's Day, the start of a new school year is the perfect time for parents and teenagers to recharge, regroup, and make resolutions. Hi, I'm Mark Gregston with Parenting Today's Teens. School has become a much more demanding environment for our kids than it was for us. They're faced with constant pressure to outperform their peers academically, socially, and athletically. Is it any wonder that all they want to do when they get home is to disengage, play video games, and watch TV? So take a close look at the environment in your home. Is it a place for peace and rest or just another source of stress? This school year, make a resolution to create a home that'll be a safe haven from the pressures of school. Want more parenting help from Mark Gregston? Find encouragement through articles, books, and more at parentingtodaysteens.org or search for Parenting Today's Teens in your favorite app store. to have joining me again today, George Barna. He really needs no introduction, um, but it's fun to introduce him now um, as a part of what's going on at Arizona Christian University in the Cultural Research Center. Dr. Barna, welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. Oh, it's great to be back with you. Thanks for having me. So you are the uh, director of research there at the CRC, um, and you all have engaged in the American Worldview Inventory 2020. We've been sharing over the course of time um, outcomes of that research. And um, and there's a couple of things I'd love to talk with you about today. Um, one would be the perceptions of sin and salvation, but another would be, you know, what you anticipate in terms of the 2020 election election cycle and really what we're engaged in in terms of sort of choosing the dominant American worldview. Yeah, I mean, the research has been really interesting in regard to that, you know, and, and regarding the election, I've come to the conclusion that it's really not an election about personalities or parties or even politics. It really is an election where people have a very clear choice about what will be the driving worldview for American society for the foreseeable future. So it's going to be incredibly important for people to turn out for this, but also to do their homework before they vote, to know what they're voting for, because it's really not about the people that you see on your TV screen. It's about the worldview that they're trying to push forward as the agenda for America. And if we were to, you know, I think there are a lot of people who would say, well, I, I just reduce it all down to one subject, and that's the subject of life um, and the value of life and the preservation of life. But there might be other, um, uh, there might be other categories in which we ought to be thinking in terms of how do I weigh the worldview of one party and candidate versus the worldview of another? Yeah, and what we would suggest is if if you're a believer, if you're a Christian, one of the things that the scriptures do is they push you to be involved in every dimension of life. You're not just supposed to practice your faith inside a building with a bunch of other like-minded people Sunday mornings. Of course, you can't even do that now with uh, some of the government dictates. But regardless of that, we're supposed to be invading every uh, every corner 
of our society with God's truth. God's truth covers all the different issues. And so we really do have to be more well-rounded in our understanding of what's taking place in our culture, more uh, knowledgeable about what the scriptures say about all these different issues, and then to gauge the different candidates, not just for the presidency, but also for the Senate, for the House, for state legislatures, for local offices, all of these things matter. All of them make a difference. And so to be well-informed about what the different candidates and parties believe about all of these issues is critical to making a good decision. So, Dr. Barna, um, you know, some of the of the trend lines that um, that you have observed and pointed out to us, um, you know, indicate that culturally we are moving away from what I might describe as a biblical or or Christian worldview to uh, something that is far more secular and and certainly more liberal. Um what are some of the trends pushing that or driving that? Are they all demographic? Are at least some of them demographic? What's going on? Well, again, you know, when we talk about understanding what's going on in all the key dimensions of our culture, looking at the different social institutions that help shape America and our lives, I think you can see that push coming from a lot of those different kinds of institutions and sectors of society. So we could look at our schools and what kind of ideology they're pushing on our kids. We could look at the media and the kinds of ideology that they are teaching our people through what they want us to think is education. I'm sorry, entertainment, but is really education. And so if, if you look at all the different dimensions of our culture, you'll begin to find that, yeah, it's not just demographics, but that demographics do matter because, for instance, education and media have a more dramatic impact on the minds, hearts, and behavior of young people. And so as we look to the future, we'll see young people moving the culture in a more progressive or liberal direction. Uh, You could look at uh, ethnic communities and find that their media habits are different than those uh, of, of other ethnic or racial communities, you know, so Hispanics are different from blacks or different from whites or different from Asians. If you look at those patterns and the growth of each of those communities, once again, you'll see that we're going to be moving in a more uh, liberal direction simply because of the rise of those populations. So all of these things are important. They're all part of the mix. But so much of it comes back to the fact that our churches, which have the obligation to be helping our people to know how to think biblically about all of these issues are not doing that job. They're not providing leadership in that arena. And so if they're not equipping parents, parents won't be raising up spiritual champions with their children because they don't have what it takes to inform their children, to monitor what their children are doing based on biblical precepts. That's a critical thing for us to be looking at. I'm talking with Dr. George Barna. Um, Everything that we're talking about today, you can actually find as a part of this expansive American Worldview Inventory, um, which is available at culturalresearchcenter.com, culturalresearchcenter.com. Dr. Barna, when we come back, can um, can we talk about one of these sort of foundational conversations? And that would be the, the, the research um, that you've done that reveals really the perceptions that Americans have of sin and salvation. 
I think that if we don't even rightly understand some of the most basic theological realities, then maybe it's not a surprise that um, things work themselves out the way they do in our common morality. Um, So can we talk about perceptions of sin and salvation when we come back? Absolutely. That's important. I'd love to do it. Great. We're going to take a very brief break. Uh, When we come back, I've got more with Dr. George Barna. Continuing my conversation now with Dr. George Barna. Uh, You can find what we're talking about today at culturalresearchcenter.com as a part of um, the research included in in the American Worldview Inventory 2020. Um, Dr. Barna, tell us what the research shows about American perceptions of sin and salvation. Well, sin isn't a popular thing, obviously, in our culture. We find that churches really aren't preaching about it very much these days. People don't think about it. They don't worry about it, that's for sure. And when we talk about faith and spirituality and eternity and salvation, all these kinds of things, there's some fascinating things that came out of the research, one of which is that most Americans would say, you know, it doesn't matter what faith you buy into as long as you have some faith. So right away what we've done is we put all different faiths on the same level. We've said they're all equal. Your choice doesn't really matter. The only meaningful choice is that you believe in something, but it really doesn't matter what you believe in. And I think that goes a long way toward influencing what people believe about their tendency to sin and the implications of that sin. For instance, we know that a plurality of people in our culture say that you can earn your way into heaven or into God's eternal presence, however you want to speak about it. 48% of Americans say that by doing good or being good, you can gain eternal salvation. Now, that's much higher than the 35% who have a different perspective on that, who would say, no, 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 it's not to be earned. It's simply by the grace of God, the forgiveness of God, once you acknowledge and confess your sins. And then interestingly as well, we've got another one out of six Americans who say they have no idea. In other words, this isn't even a big enough issue for them to reflect upon. It's not something they've come to a decision on, even though they've certainly had plenty of information and plenty of time to do so. What's interesting about this salvation through works mentality is that it's actually more common among people who call themselves Christians than it is among people who don't call themselves Christians. And so even when you look in places, let's say like evangelical churches, and this is one of their hallmark teachings, that the only way to have eternal salvation is through the grace of God through Jesus Christ. Well, we find that more than four out of 10 people who regularly attend an evangelical church believe that they can earn their salvation. So we've got a lot of significant issues related to this. Okay, so my mind is obviously um, going a thousand different directions because, you know, I'm one of those people that believes that uh, we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, to the glory of God alone, and that all of this information comes to me through Scripture alone. So for me, as a, you know, as a person of Protestant faith, a child of the Reformation, um, I'm I'm a little shocked uh, to learn that other people who profess Christ think that Christ is not enough, that they then have to add something to that. That would be the works of which you speak. And that's, 
you know, th- that suggests that Jesus is not sufficient. And that's that's right at the heart of who Jesus is. So this isn't just a question of a misunderstanding of salvation. It's a misunderstanding of the nature of Christ. Well, one of the things that I've learned in more than 40 years of doing this kind of research is that Americans are not deep thinkers. We are people of action more than reflection. And so while people would say that they know about Jesus, they understand things from the Bible and so forth, they've never really thought deeply about how all these things tie together. And so it fascinates me that while we've got one out of three adults in America today, 33%, who we would categorize as born-again Christians, not because that's what they call themselves, but based on their theology, they would say they believe in God, they consider themselves to be Christians, and when they die, they believe wholeheartedly that they're going to experience eternal life in God's presence only because they've acknowledged their sins and accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. But even among that 33%, a large share of them would say, you know, that's how I came to eternal salvation. But God is so loving, God is so magnanimous that you don't have to do it that way. He doesn't want you to suffer. He doesn't want to lose you. So if you simply work hard at being good, you can also gain his favor. So there's this kind of universalism that has taken hold in the Christian church, even among those people who, for whatever reason, have chosen to embrace Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. But you're absolutely right, Carmen. I mean, many, many Christians don't really grasp the nature and the character of Jesus. They don't really read the Bible with an eye toward it, influencing who they are and their uh, the way that they're going to live. Their identity is not really in Christ. It's more cultural in nature where they're taking their cues from society. They're getting their theology from television and movies and conversations rather than from God himself through the Bible. And that's how we get in the mess that we're in. All right. Let me just read um, what this one little paragraph of statistics here, because for an evangelical Christian, um, first of all, it's disturbing to me that we don't have very much fervor for evangelism as those who are uh, evangelicals. But then we got 15 percent of the population. These are views on eternal destination. 15 percent who say they don't know what will happen after they die. 13 percent say there is no afterlife uh, or no life after death. 18 percent expect to be reincarnated. And another 8 percent believe they're going to go to a place of purification. So like purgatory. So um, only 2 percent of people um, say they believe they're going to hell. There's a lot of people there for me as a Christian to be talking with about the reality of Christ and his sufficiency for their salvation. Well, absolutely. I mean, if you look at the fact that we found that only 33% would say that their salvation is based on the grace of God, that means that two out of every three people we encounter don't understand how this operates. God has tried to make it very clear in the Bible, but people don't read the Bible. People don't understand the Bible. And in many cases, even when they go to church, they're not hearing teaching from the Bible, certainly not about these issues because they're controversial, and so often they're not touched upon. So, yeah, I mean, this is a great time for someone who wants to share the gospel because there's a real searching. I would say that the pandemic has opened the minds and hearts of a lot of people to trying to figure out what is the meaning of life? How does life operate? 
how can I put it all together? The Bible gives us that information. We've got a chance to share it with people so they can grow as well. Dr. George Barna, thank you. As always, uh, you guys want to read the American Worldview Inventory 2020. It's an annual survey that estimates how many adults actually have a biblical worldview. Um, We've been parsing it out over time. So this is a part of a series of conversations we're having with Dr. Barna. You can find all of it at culturalresearchcenter.com. George, thank you so much for joining us again today on Mornings with Carmen. Thank you, Carmen. Always great to be with you. Oh, likewise. We'll be right back. I'm uh, I'm almost hesitant to tell you what's going on in L.A. right now, but I feel like uh, I have some responsibility. <clears throat> so Los Angeles uh, sheriff's officers last night shot and killed a 29-year-old African-American man. Demonstrations, I'm going to use the word demonstrations, um, have begun. And um, we are, I would say, the stage is set <clears throat> for South L.A. to... Uh, erupt. Um, and so let us be praying. Um, the president is traveling today to Kenosha, Wisconsin. Um, there are ongoing conversations in cities across the country. The The mayor of D.C. has made a, a strong appeal to the attorney general of the United States to help with violence um, on the streets. We are um, seeing a number of mayors even who identify as Democrats across the country, um, looking for some help. And so let's be praying today. Um, I know that uh, yesterday the mayor of Portland acknowledged his willingness to work with the Trump administration. We'll see what that looks like and how that works itself out. You know, here's the reality. Um, The cities in America and increasingly uh, suburbia um, has become a place of open conflict. And you and I recognize that we are the ambassadors of a king and a kingdom where peace prevails. And so we are going to be the people who are purveyors of peace. We are going to sow peace. Yes, we are going to walk as first responders into the hot zone. We are going to go where others um, are reticent to go. But we are not going to go as angry fear mongers. We are going to go as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, as ministers of reconciliation, and as agents of grace. That is who we are, and that is what we are called to do on this day, in this place. For this is the time and place that God has given us. This is the day the Lord has made for us to glorify Him in it. All right, this morning we have had a number of conversations um, this hour with Nick Pitts and George Barna, but next hour, really, really excited to share with you uh, Susie Larson's brand new book. It drops today. It drops today. It's called Prevail. She's up in the bottom half of the next hour. We'll be right up. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.